Under the Dome Radio, initial reactions to Season 2, Episode 13, the season finale, entitled Go Now, recorded September 22nd, 2014. It's Under the Dome Radio, the unofficial podcast by and for fans of CBS TV's Under the Dome. It's episode 48 of Under the Dome Radio, and we're going to have show notes with links and things we talk about tonight over at underthedomeradio.com slash 48. And if you'd like to leave some feedback, and we encourage you to do so, we want to hear you for our grand finale episode coming up. Just go to underthedomeradio.com slash feedback. Now, Under the Dome Radio is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network, and we're thrilled to have served 5 million podcast downloads. We want to thank you so much for being part of the Noodle Mix community. Check out other podcasts that we have that'll make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. And me, I'm at Wayne Henderson, your voice acting, podcasting. And even though it was a treacherous loss, I'm still Green Bay Packers fan. Yeah, I couldn't believe the Detroit Lions defense beat the Packers offense without any help of Matthew Stafford or Megatron, but that is my feedback for Wayne's other show that you can check out the Packers fan podcast. I'm at <laughs> Troy Heinrichs. I'm glad to be with you to discuss the initial thoughts on the season two finale. I would say it's probably on par with the season one finale in the amount of craziness that occurred. The question is, is what happens over the next 39 weeks? Are we excited? Are we anticipating? What camp are you in after season two? And I'm sure we will talk more about that on our super grand finale episode next week. And again, feedback for that can be sent in at underthedomeradio.com slash feedback, or you can email feedback at underthedomeradio.com, or of course, the listener voicemail nine. That number, Wayne, is? Plus one, 904-469-7469. Where to start this evening? How about... We talk about the one person we've all grown to love this season, and that Andrea is Andrea Grinnell. Andrea Grinnell. You all thought <laughs> we said we we're going to say the science teacher. <laughs> no, but I think Andrea was a really great addition this season. She didn't have a big part in season one, so I thought it was really great that even though John Elvis Skeet had the role of Ben last season, and then he was kind of downplayed in season two. Here we have kind of a downplayed character in season one, really coming back to the forefront in season two. But of course, not all is right in Chester's Mill as we have our first casualty of the evening. And that is one Dale Raul. Thanks so much for being on the show. We will see you in another life. Absolutely. I could not believe that we lost Andrea Grinnell, the hoarder who helped save the town with all of her husband's food that he was stocking up for disaster day which apparently was today <laughs> under the dome uh we'll miss andrea grinnell maybe she'll come back and haunt yes and i know people on twitter were out there saying oh my gosh maybe something in her house fell on top of her and that's why she needed help uh not this time <laughs> no 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 <laughs> you know what was interesting at the very beginning of the episode when they declared that the dome must be shutting down like a slow windows xp computer and of course, Joe, you know, being a typical teenager, his first thought was, hey, maybe we can now get an Internet signal. Hey, you know what? If you don't have an Internet connection, there isn't much you can do these days. It's one thing if your phone line goes out, you might even be able to survive for a little bit if your power goes out. 
But man, when the internet goes down, things are just dire circumstances. And that we found out he never did get a signal. And there was dire circumstances through this entire totally insane episode of Under the Dome. So how does lightning occur when the dome is shrinking? Is this some weather phenomenon when you cross high pressure systems plus electromagnetism plus the charge building up as the dome shrinks in and the poles get farther away from each other in order to make lightning strike as violently (laughs) as it did? Oh, no, no, it's just some made up garbage that somebody threw in for no reason whatsoever. Now, of course, they did get a lot of rain again under the dome. And here where I am in Southern California, we're not even under a dome as far as I know. And we're not getting as much rain as Chester's Mill is while it's under the bubble. Well, the lightning did serve a little bit of a purpose. We had another background character for season two, Tom Tilden. And he, of course, was out doing something in his shed and this tractor just happens to fall on his leg during one of the quakes. And I I have to say the special effects in this lightning strike were probably the best visual effects. We can actually call these ones visual effects because those were actually pretty cool when it shocked him to death, basically, almost as if kind of like when Darth Vader got shocked by the emperor. (laughs) Um, No, Um, you know, that poor guy. He's a minor character that we don't really learn very much about, but he's been in quite a few episodes and it's always when something terrible seems to be happening. We will go into more detail on this on the finale episode next week, but I did call out that we were going to see the son of the farmer in last, last episode. So I thought that was interesting that we actually got to see that come to fruition because that ties more towards into the book about the farmer's family even though the names are all different. The question is, is what role is the boy going to play? Because now you introduce the boy and here they playing it up the whole time. Oh, I saw the boy. He doesn't even know that he's important. And here it's kind of like the red herring. You all think it's going to be the farmer's boy. That's going to open up the portal. And then here, of course it is Barbie after all, who's got the magic touch. Oh brother. Um, I have a theory about the farmer's uh, young child. Oh shoot. Lay it on us. I think he is a bit of a fail safe. From the producers, if by some chance they can't come to contract negotiations and bring back Joe and Nori or even Junior, by some chance, if they all disappear or they decide to get killed off at the season three beginning, if we do get a season three, then this young boy can take over the role of uh, the teen set on the show. Even though he's a little bit younger, by the time they start filming, he'll probably be as as old and tall as Joe. Well, it's the new generation of the four hands, right? It'll be the farmer's son. It'll be baby Alice. It'll be two other people we have not yet seen because, again, there was a shortage of townspeople in Chester's Mill this season. So they've got to be hiding out somewhere, maybe still doing Fight Club in the cement factory. Oh, no, we can't talk about it, though. But, yeah, I could see, you know, it'd be kind of like what they did on Fringe in the final season. Have the next season of Under the Dome, if we do officially get one of those where it's set mysteriously like 15 years in the future. Who knows? Anything could happen. Or 25 years in the past. True. We could even have that. We could have both at the same time. Now, you know what was interesting as far as this current episode that we saw tonight? Go now. Pauline is laying there bleeding out after getting stabbed by Dwight, and she still thinks that she can paint a way out. It's like... 
do they hear what they're saying? Who's writing this stuff? Well, the best part was that her breath was so kind of mumbly because of the fact she was bleeding out. When she said, bring me my brushes, I could have sworn she said, bring me my precious. Troy, I was thinking the same exact thing. That's how it sounded to me for a split second as well. I thought, Lord of the Rings shout out? What the heck? Yeah, she totally said, bring me my precious and my easels. And I was like, oh, she meant brushes. I gotcha. Okay, I'm with you. I I swear she said my precious. Uh, Well, at the same time, the brushes and the paintings, they, they are kind of her precious. Freudian slip, possibly. Possibly. Well, the one thing that I thought was really creepy was we finally got to see the painting that Pauline actually was painting when the blood was dripping off of the canvas. And he, <laughs> wow. And here, I think, as I look at that painting, I'm number one, going to have nightmares again after watching this show. But <laughs> it was really more, I think, a crossover between Under the Dome and this FX series called The Strain. Because right. that was just a total vampire type looking thing to me rather than puking up blood or whatever it was supposed to be. <laughs> it was a definite piece of piece of art there. And yeah, there was, you know, because luckily on the show, the character of Pauline did not spew out as much blood as what was in that painting. Wow. That was just incredible. I mean, the eyes and the tea uh, just gives me cre- <laughs> Willie is just thinking about it. And the best part is that Big Jim finally tore it up. I was like, thank you, Big Jim. <laughs> we all, the painting's freaking me out. Burn it down. Oh, that, it was just some weird, weird art is all I can say about that. Now, of course, we do go back to the big dramatic thing that happened last week with Melanie disappearing with the smoke circle or whatever and creating a whole new hole in the ground in Chester's Mill and this time, it's Joe McAllister's turn to go spelunking first. Now, they go down there, and the first thing that I thought of was, okay, well, Melanie comes back in a purple dress. The egg turns purple. Then Melanie changes into a purple shirt. Now we have these purple rocks all right. over the place. And I thought the purple rocks were going to come into play more during the course of this episode because they were shown off pretty early. And then it started to rain, and I was like, yes, purple rain, bring it on. Okay, Prince. Um, I, I noticed those right away as well. That there were so many of those purple glowing rocks under there. And, you know, they were moving around kind of slow. I myself had flashbacks to, to thinking that a slee stack was going to slowly come attack them. Just, just like, you know, good old Marshall, Will, and Holly with their routine expedition. Because they're down there, they have the crystals, and if a slee stack started slowly walking towards them in those caves, I was definitely going to just fall off the couch. Well, the visual effects, if you can call them that this year, were probably in the same line as the slee stack, so it probably wouldn't have surprised me. <laughs> it's just some extra B-roll footage left over uh, from that show. Land of the Lost, that was some classic TV you wouldn't believe how many bowls of Captain Crunch I ate while watching that on Saturday mornings. And the funny thing is, is that that could actually tie us into Lost because it's a different Lost. It's the land of the Lost. They're going home now. <laughs> oh, were you a bit? <laughs> there were so many over the top scenes and then there were some really dramatic, maybe not all that well acted except for Big Jim. He was uh, Dean Norris on top of his game tonight. But were you surprised that Pauline 
asked Rebecca to basically finish her off. I mean, you knew that they had some kind of relationship when they were saying, oh, Becky. And nobody really calls me that anymore, but okay. And she's still like, (laughs) Becky, Becky, just put me out of my misery. Becky, please, Becky. She kept saying Becky. So she's almost like playing her up and this past relationship that they used to have to kind of pull at her heartstrings in order to actually carry through the act. But I thought it was great when all of a sudden Big Jim just turns and he's like, you did this. Oh, man. And then I was like, it is on like Donkey Kong. Look out. Run for your lives. You would think that a science teacher as smart as Rebecca, don't call me Becky Pine, who knows all things science and a lot of other stuff would have been smart enough to maybe put the hypodermic needle in the uh, little container into her pocket. Well, and the best part about this scene was that they played out that whole science versus faith conversation last week just so that they could deliver this one line. Big Jim, I'm sorry. It's what the dome wanted me to do. Now she's a believer all the way at the end. (laughs) She picks a fine time to uh, go along with what the dome supposedly is saying. And that's the last thing she ever did. Man, was that gruesome or what? Now that was a showtime swing of a hammer. That, That really was. My wife turned away and said that was disgusting. I mean, we thought the Rose getting knocked out in season one was pretty gruesome. That swing was, wow. That was just like, I knew something like that was coming. And it was just kind of like out of left field. Boom. Didn't even call a shot. He just took the swing. And then the sound effect that went along with it, because I took my wife's advice and started to turn away, but I heard it and it was just as gruesome to hear. Now, of course, none of us were fans or hardly anybody was a fan of science teacher extraordinaire. Rebecca, don't call me Becky Pine. But we didn't necessarily need this to be the way that she was going out. Wow. I know. I mean, I'm torn because we were like, come on, Big Jim's got to kill people. Let's get it back to the book. And even though none of us were super fans of the character, the character added stuff to the show, especially if nothing else for all of us to talk about from week to week. And going out like this, man, that was just, it was hard to stomach almost. But at the same time, you were kind of like, woohoo. Victory is ours. (laughs) We don't have to hear any more science lima bean experiments with magnets and all that other stuff. Now, we did learn, you know, right about the time that even though it was in a different scene that Big Jim is starting to go ballistic, Junior basically lets us know, the viewers, a lot about Big Jim. He basically teaches us that there's no talking to him. There's only dealing with him. Again, with the deals, I think it goes back to the used car thing. And then we see Big Jim still making deals. This time he's trying to make a big deal with the dome and the dome didn't answer. So it was like eh, no deal. And that's when Big Jim just goes full bore, similar to a Big Jim in the novel. Yeah, I like how you picked up on that. There's no you know, talking to him. There's only dealing with them. It really shows right. what his character is capable of. That was a really good pickup by you. Thank you. I try. (laughs) I really like the difference in the junior character this season in comparison to the book. And we'll get more into that on our full episode next week. But, you know, how he actually covers up Becky Pine with the blanket and, you know, he's doing it for the town, but doing it for different motivations. It was really great to see Alexander do his craft this season. I think he really stepped forward. He could have used different outfits potentially (laughs) since he was in the police uniform, like all season. But I think he really stepped up his A game this season, trying to drive that junior character forward and make us actually like junior because 
I mean, at the start of last season, it was like, dude, Junior's crazy. She locked this chick up in a cellar, and we don't know what's up with him. He's a little weird. This year, he seemed normal. I know. In fact, it reminds me of one of the very first voicemails we ever got from a listener who called in to 904-469-7469, who said, wow, what can I say about this Junior character? What a piece of work he is. I think there was somebody else that called in really early back in season one that said, I love Junior. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> then I thought, Wow, she's got a bit of a fixation. This is a little scary. I still don't know why Junior went from being a psychopath in season one to now he's Mr. Nice Guy um, helping out the team. But, oh, well, that one I can't quibble with because there's not going to be an answer. It's just the way it is. I was surprised also that Big Jim was holding our friend Andrea Grinnell at gunpoint as a trap to bring in Julia. And it worked, unfortunately. The question becomes how many pocket knives actually exist inside of Chester's mill? Because the last pocket knife Julia gave out was the Barbie, which he then used to cut the rope to send himself to Zenith. So she just happened to have another pocket knife standing by. I may have to go back and watch that scene again because maybe she grabbed it from Grinnell's stash and that's what she was able to stab big Jim in the foot with. But it seemed like she had that pocket knife on her already. I, I think she did have it on her and she might just be, you know, one of those collectors, like she has a drawer with about 13 pocket knives in it of different uh, shapes and sizes. I, I don't know. I was a little upset. To, well, I was very upset. Let me just say that that Big Jim killed Andrea Grinnell. Now, of course, he says he kills his friends quickly, but that's still. I am now back off the Big Jim Rennie bandwagon. And of course, you have your showtime quality here because. Most people would have the gun go off and then you would show Grinnell slumped over in the chair. No, we actually saw the gun go off, the trigger pull, the bullet fly and the whole creation. So again, good props to CBS for actually taking it a step further, even though some people may not have wanted to see it. True, but it kind of reinforces, although we've been harping on this kind of being more of an after school TV special most of this season ever since uh, the premiere, but at the end of last week, and for a lot of this episode, it did uh, fulfill the 10 p.m. time slot. Because I myself would prefer the show come on two hours earlier. But it is what it is, and, you know, it's based on a very violent novel. So, um, what did Big Jim say he was going to do? He was going to shoot Barbie through the heart, um, slit Julia's throat. I mean, he's like spewing these murderous threats. Yeah, that speech was one that we'll have to listen to again, maybe even get a clip for it for the full episode next week. And that's the big thing we want to let all of you know, is that there is a ton to talk about in this finale. Theories, yes. concepts, where could this show be going now that we know that you, you know, we, we were all told very early on at Poltergeist, like, you know, walk into the light, don't walk into the light. <laughs> and now we're going to be walking into the light and going somewhere mysterious for season three, assuming that we get one. And we want to hear from all of you. So make sure you call in plus one nine oh four four six nine seven four six nine. We're actually going to be recording the full fan feedback show in about a week's time because I actually will be taking a trip and will not be here later this week. So we're going to give you some time to get your feedback in this week. We want to have a really great discussion, uh, whether you have comments on season two as a whole, whether you have comments just on the finale we want to hear from you, so make sure you get that in. Plus one, 904-469-7469. Excellent. Now, I've got a few more things I wanted to lay out there to get some uh, listener feedback on. 
Now, of course, back in that scene we were talking about about with uh, Big Jim and Julia with the knife. Um, of course, Big Jim does not slit Julia's throat. Kind of, she bangs into a couple of walls and stuff. But I'm not worried because have you seen over the past two seasons how quickly Julia Shumway heals from things? So I'm not worried about that part of it. And of course, she's still wearing her same pants as the last episode or two with the bandage on the outside. But I noticed that after she stabbed Big Jim in the foot and he's trying to chase her through the forest, he really was kind of walking like a slee stack. I've kind of got that on my brain right now. Slee stack attack, a.k.a. Jim Rennie fulfilling the prophecy. Very slow and wobbly uh, he was. But what do you think? Did you pick up on that or am I just have old 70s TV shows on my brain? Old 70 TV shows, I think, is right where it falls up in the cheese department when you watch this <laughs> yes. finale. The thing that we have to keep in mind is this, again, a continuity between season one and season two. They have the four hands touch the dome. They show them all holding knives and Big Jim has these stab wounds. So then I was starting to like count up how many wounds did Big Jim actually have because he had the shot in the shoulder. He had the stab in the foot. You know, so I'm like waiting for these other two wounds to appear to have his four wounds and have him fall over. Of course, they don't come. And then, of course, the big question is Junior, Julia and Big Jim all left in Chester's Mill. What's going to happen between the three of them when the series continues? That's an excellent question. And plus one, 904-469-7469 is the number to call or go to underthedomeradio.com slash feedback and uh, let your voice be heard through there. Now, one thing that really struck me was when Barbie's leading the throngs of people, which wasn't the thousands that we've been told are still in Chester's Mill, but the group of people underground in the tunnels, they were so quiet and so organized. Now, in real life, you know that if a major disaster is happening and there's underground earthquakes, these people are going to be screaming and running up and down every corridor of those uh, tunnels trying to escape. There would be utter chaos. Yes, especially when they get to the fork in the road. There'd be people that are like, I don't care. Just let me go through. And then you have people go left and people go right. And then they all end up in the same place anyway. Right. But then, of course, they were all helped out by computer generated glow in the dark butterflies. Of course. And that's one of the big questions, again, in this continuity discussion. What are the butterflies about? Why are they important? And then because the one butterfly comes back, does that signify that Barbie was the monarch all along? Because he's the boy, the special one that has the magic touch. Oh, my goodness. Stop. (laughs) They need to stop with that. Maybe the butterflies are the ones who built the dome. Well, Wayne, you said you had other stuff. Do you have anything else you want to talk about this evening or... Hold it off for the finale. Well, of course, we want to remind everybody of the big <laughs> semi-shocking ending here. When Barbie puts his hand on the wall that somehow seeing that butterfly made him realize that he needs to put his hand on that spot on the wall. The wall crumbles. Nobody gets hurt. Bright light. Melanie, of course, alive and well. Rats. And she's like, follow me. She's still whispering. Follow me. We're going home. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Well, when I saw her in the purple dress, back with what she was wearing when she died, you know, this clearly means that we have to go somewhere else. And maybe these are the apparitions because we don't know if Melanie, number one, is really alive or if this is just a representation of Melanie, like some of the other apparitions were up in Chester's Mill at the start of season two and Alice back in season one. 
So that's the first question. Is Melanie actually a real person or just an apparition? And then when she says we're going home, is she talking to the collective group at that point? Or is she talking to Barbie? Because the question then becomes is home Zenith or is home somewhere else? Those are excellent questions, Troy. I would like uh, listeners to fill, fill in the gaps with that. Not to mention the fact that conveniently, like you said, we still have uh, a couple of people left behind, Junior, Julia, and probably about a thousand. It, I guess they're going to make us think it's just the three of them, Big Jim, Julia, and uh, Junior. But th- there's still at least 800 people unaccounted for that I didn't see in the tunnels. But even if it is just those three still trapped in Chester's Mill, that's how they can go ahead and still call the show Under the Dome, even though everybody else is wherever they are. Well, remember from season one, they talked about having a dome within a dome within a dome. So maybe even if they get out of Chester's Mill's dome, maybe there's a larger dome over a much larger area. That could be. Sit on that one for a week and give us a call at plus one nine zero four. 469-7469 or under the dome radio.com slash feedback if you're coming in from the web. Good advice. I can't wait to hear what you are thinking and your predictions for season three. It, it, you know, the ratings are good. There's just no official word from CBS yet, but let's assume there's a season three. What do you think's going to happen? Assuming there's a season three, I'm hoping for third party, my theory to still come true. That they don't go to Zenith, they actually go to some other mysterious place. And thank you so much for introducing the obelisk to me in the first episode and talking about it all the way through the show. And then, of course, having zero payoff about the obelisk. So I need more obelisk in season three. You know, back a decade or two ago, we wanted more cowbell. Now we want more obelisk. I know. What do you want to see in season three, Mr. Henderson? (laughs) I know what I don't want to see. I would like to see this uh, other side, wherever this bright light's coming from. I would like this other area, wherever this bright light's coming from, to be either an alternate universe or possibly even another planet. I know that's really thinking out there, but, you know, considering what we've seen so far in season two, they could go anywhere. And so I would really like them to just push the envelope as far as they possibly could Kind of like we, what we saw in Doctor Who this uh, past week. You know, just go to the edge. The edge of the universe. The edge of butterfly land. I don't know. Just make it wild. Make it worthwhile to wait the 39 weeks that we will have to wait for this show to come back. Again, assuming season three is a go. Once we have any information, we will most definitely share it with all of you. Again, we want to hear from you. The full fan feedback discussion coming out next week. A week from after you're listening to this podcast, we're recording that on September 29th. You can call plus one nine zero four four six nine seven four six nine. That number again, Maine. I believe you said it was plus one nine zero four four six nine seven four six nine. Or of course, head on over to the website under the dome radio dot com slash feedback, and you can go ahead and submit an MP3 and a comment. Whatever you'd like to do, send us a picture of what you think is inside of the bright white light uh, if you'd like to do that as well. Or, of course, go ahead and comment on the show notes for this episode under the dome radio.com slash 48. Definitely. We look forward to seeing and hearing what you have to say, because say, for example, if this was the series finale. 
it would leave, it would be open ended, but at the same time, this would work as a series finale if it had to. And I feel Team Wayne and Team Troy coming along with that comment. So Wayne says this could be a series finale. I say no way in heck. I need one more episode to wrap it up and explain all the stories that they didn't explain and introduced along the way. So if you're with Wayne and this could be a series finale, hashtag Team Wayne. If you want one more episode to wrap it up, hashtag Team Troy. Let us know what you think and we will talk at you next week. Until then, I am at Troy Heinrichs. And I'm at Wayne Henderson. Stay trapped under the dome. Under the Dome Radio. Under the Dome Radio is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Get organized in your personal and professional life. Laugh with our clean comedy. Theorize over great television shows and so much more. All waiting for you at noodle.mx.